We'll be seated for a few moments. We're going to get into the word. And then Brenda's got a great word for us about communion. Praise God. Well, you have been created for dominion. You have been made for mastery. The Bible says when in the beginning that we have been made in the very image and likeness of God. And he gave us dominion over the fish of the sea. He gave us authority to live and to rule and to reign as kings in this life through the Lord Jesus Christ. We see over there in Luke chapter 10, if you would, verse 1. It said, after these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whithereever himself would come. And then he told them to go into the cities to heal the sick, to raise the dead, and to literally tell them the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. They did that. They saw miracles. They saw signs and they once saw wonders. And when they came back in verse 17, and the 70 returned again with joy. Hallelujah. Saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through what? Through the name of Jesus. This is one of the telltale signs. Amen. That you have been authorized. That you have been empowered. It makes you happy. Amen. It thrills you. It rejoices your heart when you find out that you do not have to be dominated. And notice what Jesus said in verse 18. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. What he's saying, guys, don't worry about the devil. He got bounced out of heaven. He's not what he used to be. How many of you know he ain't either? But on the other hand, you're not what you used to be either. Hallelujah. You're a child of God. You're an heir of God. You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Such were some of us out there in the world. But now we've been sanctified. Now we've been made righteous. Now we are children of the Most High God. As far as the devil is concerned, he is a stripped, under our feet, eternally defeated foe. He's not just a loser. He is the biggest loser. The Bible says that Jesus shattered him. He put him to naught in his own backyard. He spoiled the principalities and the powers. And he made a show of them openly. And he triumphed over them in it. He put him to naught. He reduced him to nothing. He completely stripped him of his authority. And then on his way up from hell, as he was being raised from the dead, he grabbed his keys. He disarmed and stripped Satan of his authority and he took the keys of hell and death. I hear Revelation says, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. See, the devil at one time used to have the power of death, but not anymore. Why is that? Because he lost his keys. And he didn't lose his keys accidentally like some of us do. Jesus took them and gave them to us. And in Matthew, the 16th chapter, he said in verse 19, And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Notice it's not the reverse. He did not say, Whatsoever I bind in heaven shall be bound on earth. 
He didn't say whatsoever I shall loose in heaven shall be loosed on earth. He transferred that authority of binding and loosing to his sons and his daughters. And so we need to take those keys and we need to understand that we have responsibility to use those keys. When he gave you the keys, we must not have this attitude. Oh, that's nice. Thank you very much. You know, if I was to drive Pastor Tom over to Lexus today and say, Pastor Tom, here's your new Lexus. Here's the keys. Pastor Tom wouldn't say, oh, Pastor, thank you. That's nice. I imagine he would be shouting. He might even do a couple laps around the Lexus or around the whole parking lot. And that's the way you and I need to be about the authority that God has given us. Amen. It's no small thing. It's a big thing with big responsibilities. We've got the name. We've got the word. We've got the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the keys. And the devil heard it. And that's one of the worst things he's ever heard, that the keys have been transferred to the church. So keys then are symbolic of authority and they're symbolic of control. Amen. If you have the keys to this church or of this church, you have control. You can get into any room you want. Amen. You have the power to lock. You have the power to unlock. You can keep thieves out. You can let people in. Jesus Christ has given us the keys. Amen. If we have the keys, we can release some things. We can loose some things. I love one translation that says this. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. The things you don't allow on earth will be the things God does not allow. Think about that. And the things you allow on earth will be the things that God allows. What this is saying to us, dear brothers and sisters, he allows what we allow. And the enemy does not like that. Once again, keys denote the right of use, the privilege of access. They denote control. He has left a lot of things in our control. One of the biggest doctrines of demons is that God is in control. Perhaps you've heard that all your life. God is in control. That removes any responsibility from us. I mean, whatever will be, will be. Was God in control when George Floyd got murdered? Was God in control and is God in control with the Taliban going about the Afghanistan and literally destroying people's lives? Was God in control? Of all those things, the evil things that happen on this world. No, God is not in control. When you say, well, he's almighty God. He is. And ultimately, praise God, he will have the final say-so. But he has given the church the power to say-so. He's given the church the power to bind. He's given the church the power to loose. So don't buy into that lie. What that does is it literally disempowers the believer. Because if God is in control and God is sovereign, we don't have any say-so. We're just helpless pawns on the sea of life waiting till the rapture of the church. Well, I've decided I'm not just going to hide in a cave waiting for the rapture of the church. I'm not just going to take what comes my way. I'm not going to take it and you're not going to take it. We don't have to take what Jesus took. He took your infirmities and he bore your sicknesses. He took your sadness. He took your depression. He took your weakness. Why take it anymore? Hallelujah. So we have been 
placed into a position of control. And the enemy does not want us to believe this. Too many people are unaware of these great truths. Hosea says that my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Then other people are just flat passive. They hear the word, but they don't do anything about it. I looked up the word passive the other day, and it says this. Passive activity involves watching, looking at, or listening to things rather than doing things. And my Bible says, but be doers of the word of God and not hearers only. So then we need to take and accept this responsibility. Please use your keys. Use your keys all day. Use your keys all week. From the rising of the sun till the going down. Use your keys. It's so vital and important that we walk in the light of this. A couple of examples of things that are in our control. Your mind is your mind. You do not have to accept evil things that come to your mind. You do not have to accept doubt that comes to your mind. You don't have to accept fear that comes to your mind. I think that everyone ought to place a bouncer at the door of their mind. And if it does not align itself with the word of God, what do we do? We cast it out. We put it down. We send it on its way. Amen. See, your mind is where the battle is. Your mind is where the enemy will bring all sorts of thoughts of doubt, all sorts of thoughts of inferiority and those things. Your mind is your mind. And he tells us in Isaiah 26, 3, that he will keep us in perfect peace if we will keep our mind, what? Stayed on him. We are to meditate in God's word by day and by night. We are to set our mind on things above, not on things of this earth. We are to set our minds on the exceeding great and precious promises of God and think the thoughts of God. And when you think the thoughts of God and you know the word, when anything foreign comes to your mind, you take your key. Just swirl them around a little bit. You take your key. And you say in the name of Jesus, I reject that thought. I resist that in Jesus' name. See, there's a couple things that the Lord will not do for us. Number one, he will not receive for us. He doesn't receive for us. We are the receivers. We are the believers. We have the responsibility to receive. But the other thing he won't do, he will not resist the devil for us. He's done everything about the devil that he's ever going to do. Until, of course, he opens up that bottomless pit. Amen. So say with me, I have, I got the mind of Christ. My mind is my mind. And I refuse to entertain thoughts contrary to the word of God. And just don't sit there all day and let the enemy bombard you with those thoughts. Rise up in Jesus' name and use your keys. Now, another thing that God has put in our control and the responsibility for us to do something about is our bodies. How many of you know that your bodies are the temple of the, of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit lives in our body. He's holy. So the way we should live then is we should live holy. Now, in 1 Corinthians 9.27, and they'll bring it up here, the Apostle Paul had a revelation about the body he said, but I, the real me, my spirit man, keep under my body. And I bring it 
He called his body exactly what it was, an it. Paul knew that his body was not the real him. Paul knew that the real him was the I that lived on the inside of him. And he says, here's what I do. I, by the strength of God, I, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I keep under my body. What he's saying here is I don't let my body dominate me. I dominate my body. I keep under my body. Why is it important for us to keep under our body and have our body subject to the real I who lives on the inside? Because your body's nuts. Your body's not saved. One day you'll receive a glorified body. But your body needs to be treated roughly. Your body needs to to come in line, praise God, with the greater one on the inside. But I, say with me, I. He said, I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection, lest I by any means, I myself should become a castaway. The word castaway means disqualified. Folks, don't let your body disqualify you. God's got a call on you. Don't let your body count you out and pull you out of the race that God has placed you in. Now, in Romans chapter 12, notice with me in verse 1. In Romans chapter 12, I believe it says, I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a what? As a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto who? Unto God, which is your reasonable service. The word reasonable service means your spiritual worship. Now, notice this. Present your body to God. Now, this is not a one and done type deal. Like they have in baseball. You know, have the wild card race. And if you lose one, you're done. Or the NCAA championship. They usually have about 64 basketball teams in there. You lose once and you're done. I mean, you may have a 25 and zero record, but if you lose once to a 16 seed, you're out of there. Well, in the name of Jesus, you and I do not do this once in a while. We should not say, okay, I've done it once and I'm done with this. No, we need to live a holy, pure life every day of our lives, presenting our body and all of our faculties unto God. It's our spiritual worship. James says if you can control the body, you can, if you can control your tongue, you can control your whole body. Peter says something like this. First Peter, let me see where it is. Glory to God. You guys listen so good. It's such a privilege to preach to you. You ought to say amen to that. Amen. Glory to God. First Peter. Go ahead and pull it up, guys. You've got it up there somewhere. First Peter. Oh, where is it? Oh, it's up there. First Peter uh, chapter. No, that's not it. Okay. Praise God. All right. Glory to God. Say it with me. God is good. good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. So once again, keys are symbolic of dominion and keys are symbolic of authority. You are not a helpless pawn. Aren't you glad of that? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to find that scripture because I'm tenacious. 1 Peter 2.11. 1 Peter 2.11. Notice this verse. He said, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which do what? They war against the soul. In other words, the pressure comes 
It's not only pressure on your body, but it's pressure on your mind. Now, another translation says, Young's, Beloved, I call upon you as strangers and sojourners to keep from the fleshly desires that war against the soul. Now, we are instructed to do what? To walk in the Spirit. And as we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So it's our responsibility and it's in our control to walk in the Spirit. Now, aren't you glad he didn't ask you to do this in and of yourself? I found a scripture in Romans 8, 13. I think it'll make you happy today. Say of me, I got the Holy Ghost living on the inside of me. And in Romans 8, 13, it says, but if you live after the flesh, I don't want to do that, do you? You shall die. In other words, you shall experience death, the law of sin and death. But oh... If ye through the Spirit, we could say it this way, if you by the Holy Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, what's going to happen? You are going to live. You are going to be able to enjoy life. Oh, it's a privilege to keep your mind stayed on Him. It's a privilege to keep your body under. Life will be so much better if you walk in freedom in your soul and freedom in your physical body. Somebody says, well, I haven't been living that way and, you know, I've yielded to some things. Aren't you glad for 1 John 1, 9? Aren't you glad for the blood of Jesus? What does that say? It says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to do what? And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. So through the blood of Jesus, He gives us a clean slate. I thank God that His mercies are new every morning. And great is His faithfulness. So don't beat yourself up. Don't get condemned just because you have not walked in the type of uh, way that God wants you to walk. Start today. Start today and live today for Jesus. Amen. Now, I said a little bit early, and I'm hurrying today because we took a little extra time in praise and worship. And how many of you know that's good? And we've got some communion to receive as well. But I've discovered this many, many years ago. As I said earlier, God does not resist the devil for us. He's given the church the authority in his name to resist the devil. Nowhere in the Bible, in the new covenant, will you find that we are to talk to God about doing something about the devil. And there are some scriptural proofs that we can look at very quickly. Turn to Mark chapter 16. Mark the 16th chapter. He said in verse 17, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, what will they do? They shall cast out devils. What this literally means that in his name, they shall exercise authority over the devil, but he has has delegated this authority to the church. Amen. And then look at James, the fourth chapter in the seventh verse. James chapter four, verse seven. He said here, submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will what? He'll stick around for a while. No, no. 
When you resist him, he will flee from you. That is, he will run from you as in terror. Wow. The devil's not such a hot rod. The devil is not what Hollywood portrays him to be. Hollywood portrays him to be this big, bad, huge, monster, ugly thing that's going to get you and it's going to prey on you. Look at all the horror movies out there. Those horror movies have never put faith in anybody. Horror movies put fear in people. But Hollywood really blows it up, man. You know, Brother Hagin had a vision. The Lord was talking to him about some things concerning his ministry and in his life. But right while he was receiving from the Lord, some monkey-like creature, a big black smoke screen, got between him and Jesus. And this spirit began to say things like, yakety, yakety, yak. He couldn't hear what Jesus was trying to tell him because the enemy was interrupting it. Brother Hagin kept looking at Jesus as if, aren't you going to do something about it? And this little evil spirit, I said little evil spirit, continued in its activity. Yakety, 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 yak. Brother Hagin kept looking at Jesus. Aren't you going to do something about that? Jesus just kept talking. Finally, he had enough. And in this vision, Brother Hagin pointed at that spirit. I command you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to shut up and to stop right now in Jesus' name. And he said, immediately, he said it was a little monkey-like creature. Immediately that spirit fell to the floor and started quivering. Started quivering, started shaking. Little punk. That's the way we need to see the devil. We need to see him as a little punk, a little under our feet defeated foe. He ain't so big and he ain't so bad. Jesus is big and Jesus is good. Amen. But then that little monkey-like creature laid on the ground and it just kept quivering and quivering. He says, not only do I command you to stop and shut up, but I command you to get out of here. And it ran away. It ran away. What was Brother Hagin doing? He was resisting the devil. And what did the devil do? He had to flee from him. And he looked over at Jesus and Jesus said to him, he said, if you wouldn't have done that, I couldn't. And Brother Hagin did this to his ears. He said, Lord, I heard you wrong now here. You said, if I hadn't done that, you wouldn't. No, he said, I said, if you had not done that, I couldn't. And he said, whoa, I've never heard like that, anything like that in the New Testament in all of my days. Brother, the Lord Jesus looked at him and says, there's a lot in there, son, that you don't haven't heard. There's a lot in there that you don't know. And then he went on to teach him, I'm going to give you four scriptural purposes that gives you the right and gives you the authority to take your place and take your authority. Don't wait on me to do it. You rise up and do it yourself. And that's in Mark chapter 16. And that's in James, uh, in, in James chapter 4, verse 7. And also in, uh, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, another verse he gave in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. Let's look at that. He said this, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. We need to make the quality decision that I'm a may not. Put your foot down and say, I'm a may not. Yeah, he comes, he seeks, he wants to devour, but you're a may not. 
How many may nots we got here? Say it with me real strong. I'm a may not. Even though the enemy comes, he may not devour me. But now notice verse 9. He said, whom resists steadfast with your faith. Hallelujah. Again, there's this word resist. There's this word stand against. How many of you know we're not to assist the devil? We are to resist the devil. And if we'll submit ourselves to God and give him his rightful place over us, the devil will have to take his place under us. Amen. And then look at Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 27. Amen. Ephesians 4, 27. Very simple verse of scripture. Let's read it together. He said, neither give place to the devil. Now, what does this mean? This means that you're not to give the enemy any place in you. He cannot take any place in our lives unless we give him permission to do so. And one of the biggest things that we need to stop is we need to stop fear. When we yield to fear, it gives the enemy place in our lives. Give him no place. Give him no foothold. That word place there is topos, topos. We get our, our, our words geographical, topographical map from the word topos, which literally means the devil's looking for a place in our lives so he can take more territory. He wants to take every region. He wants to take everything that we will give him. But thank God we're not giving him any place. I said we're not giving him any place. Thank God we've got authority over the spirit of fear. Now, we're living in a time right now where literally men's hearts and women's hearts are literally expiring with fear and dread. You know what dread is, don't you? Dread is an expectation of evil. One translation says men swooning away and are expiring with fear and dread and apprehension and expectation of the things that are coming on the world. In other words, If we spend our time looking at, thinking about what people are saying in the media, if we look at what's coming on the world, next thing we'll think, oh, it's going to come on me. And what that does, it brings fear. But I hear the Lord saying, there shall no evil befall you. I hear the Lord saying, no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. He's given his angels charge over you, and he's going to keep you in all your ways. He's going to keep you in your traveling ways. He's going to keep your car safe. He's going to keep your home safe. Yeah, but what about all these home invasions? Yeah, but what about God? What about God? Hallelujah. When he sees the blood, he'll have to pass over us. Amen. So we put the blood of Jesus on the doorposts of our homes. We put the blood of Jesus on our cars. We put the blood of Jesus on our loved ones. We plead the blood of Jesus in the name of Jesus. And we shall not be, we shall not be overcome. We shall not go down. We shall not be ones that experience tragedy. Glory to God. We are keeping ourselves from the paths of the destroyer by the word of our lips. Amen. Thank God. Say of me, I overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of my testimony. So we understand this, that hearts are failing both spiritually and physically. And I love the exhortation that P.T. had about strength. We ought to say it again. I'm strong. I'm strong in the Lord 
And in the power of his might. So fear is a spirit. And it's not yours. Peace is yours. The peace of God when you receive Jesus, but also the peace with God. In John 14, 27 in the Amplified, he says this. He said, peace I leave with you. My own peace I bequeath to you. It's not as the world gives, give I to you. Don't let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Whose responsibility is that? It's my responsibility. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I love this. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed and do not permit. That sounds like whatever you bind. And do not permit yourself, notice, to be what? To be fearful, to be intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. Now, let's take that and believe that. And let's say that. I refuse. And I do not permit myself to be fearful, to be intimidated, to be cowardly, or to be unsettled. The opposite of unsettled is settled our heart is fixed my heart is fixed or settled trusting in the Lord come on I'll not be afraid of evil tidings I'll not be afraid of bad news Now, why is that? Because I'm not allowing it. I'm binding it. I'm not permitting it in my soul. Not only am I not permitting it in my mind, I'm not permitting it in my speech. With your speech, you release what's in your heart or what's in your mind. If your speech releases... From your heart that is full of God's word, your speech and your conversation is smack dab right on. But if you say what you see, if you say what you hear, that's where intimidation comes and that's where an unsettling comes. So here's our attitude. Say it with me, I refuse... To have my peace disturbed by any person, by any situation, or any circumstance. Now, the last scripture I want to share with you is John 16, 33 in the Amplified Version. I asked you this morning, did you wear your shouting clothes? Praise God. Prepare to brighten up a little bit. Prepare to shout a little bit. Now, notice this. Reading from the Amplified, he said, I have told you these things. Well, we've heard some things this morning. We're talking about being God pleasers. It pleases God when we take our keys and exercise our dominion. He said, I have told you these things 
so that in me you may have what? Perfect peace, shalom, shalom, nothing missing or nothing broken, and confidence. Amen. Now he said, now over here in the world, you have tribulation, trials, and distress, and frustration. But, but, you got to pay attention to the buts in the Bible. Everyone shout, but. Jesus didn't deny that all these things are going to happen. He, matter of fact, talked about earthquakes in various places. This, that, and the other. Wars and rumors of wars. But! But what? Why can we be of good cheer? Because our redemption is getting closer by the day. Mm-mm-mm. But... Get your hanky out and cry. No, he said, but be of good cheer. And then it defines what good cheer means. Take courage, be confident, be certain, be undaunted. Why, Jesus? For I have overcome. What's he overcome? He's overcome the. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then it goes on to say, I have deprived it of its power to harm you, and I have conquered it for you. so we know the enemy's plan right we know he's a thief we know he's a jerk but remember him quivering down there on the floor we know what his plan is to use tribulations distress try to squeeze us but here's what jesus said to do We could call this part of the message, what to do when the squeeze is on. It'll reveal what you have on the inside of you when the squeeze is on. What to do when the squeeze is on? Well, number one, be of good cheer. Years ago, I heard a great message by Jerry Savelle, wonderful teacher, wonderful preacher. He looked up some words for being of good cheer and he found this out. Be of good cheer means to brighten up. Brighten up. Rejoice. Do a dance. And spin around. You ever tried to do that at the same time? You brighten up. You got a smile on your face. You start rejoicing. You do a little dance. Amen? And then I'm not going to do it real quick, but you spin around. I believe that's the will of God for you and I. You see, we gain a victory by responding the right way. 
And the right way to respond in the middle of a test, he said, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. And the joy of the Lord is your what? Is your strength. So while you are being of good cheer, while you're brightening up, while you're rejoicing, while you're spinning around and doing some dancing, you become strengthened. Hallelujah. And Jesus wants you and I to take courage, to be certain, to be undaunted. Why, Jesus? Because I have overcome the God of this world for you. And I have given you world overcoming faith and world overcoming peace. Aren't you glad that Jesus has deprived this world of its power to conquer us? Glory to God. Glory to God.